Good morning. The Lord's blessings to each and every one of you. So thankful to have you both in word and worship and also to receive God's gifts today of his gospel preached and his sacraments administered. Uh, Thankful to be in your presence. Uh, Today is a continuation of Jesus teaching from the Mount of the Beatitudes, uh, the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Luke. And today he's going to challenge us, I think, in a very real way. to let go of our anger and our hatred towards others. Now, this is a particularly challenging message today, uh, begging us as Christian people to really truly think about who we offer our forgiveness to. Uh, So uh, let us begin our time together with a short word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would uh, make our hearts not stone but tender to receive your word, both law and gospel, Help us to truly look ourselves in the mirror and see in the ways in which we've fallen astray, uh, broken your commandments, but also, Lord, uh, we receive your grace, your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Uh, Help us to be a people who forgive others. There is no greater message of peace and comfort, no greater witness to the faith than to offer that forgiveness and love to the world even to people who do not deserve it. Help us to be a people who rely and are fed by your forgiveness uh, that might allow us to forgive others. We pray all this in Christ's name. His will be done in our lives daily. Amen. We speak our psalm, Psalm 103, a whole verse by whole verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson is taken from Genesis chapter 45. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. 
For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you, for you a remnant on earth, and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle lesson for today is taken from chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. In our uh, uh, picture today, this is a a Raphael, and it's interesting, when I was looking at it this week, that um, the serpent, if you look in the back between the tree branches, has the face of an angel, which would make sense. Um, And in our story today, it's interesting as well that Paul lays the first sin upon Adam and not Eve. And that might be confusing, uh, but the first sin is actually a sin of omission. Uh, Adam is supposed to be giving leadership to his family. Uh, He should be answering the questions from the serpent. And instead, we find out that he's just kind of there, not doing anything. Uh, So Paul rightly calls a spade a spade and realizes that uh, the first sin is truly Adam's, not Eve's. For as, man, uh, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Why am I in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus, if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, Do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for flesh. 
There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In our picture, if I don't know how well you can see it, but um, this is the Tizo, the artist, was giving a perspective from the cross of Jesus as he is saying literally the words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you can see in the foreground some of the things that are going on. They're, they're gambling for his tunic and things like that. And so the idea of Christ speaking these words would be in the background as we hear him speaking here in Luke. Jesus said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Uh, a thought coming out of our readings today. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. Genesis forty-five fifteen. When I was preparing for our sermon, a thought occurred to me. Uh, and it's, I think, the first question we need to ask ourselves today. Why is it that we think it's okay to hold on to our hate and anger. Why do we think that's okay? In our gospel reading, Jesus is speaking to very real problems in Jewish society. Jews thought that they knew who God's enemies were. Gentiles, sinners, tax collectors, and of course, Jesus and his disciples. Hating people who were opposed to God as they judged it was the right thing to do. This was due to God's teaching about evil uh, that they had misinterpreted. God wanted his people to hate evil. Amos 5.15, hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. 
Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. The Lord God makes it clear that he hates evil, but he did not want Israel to hate people. In fact, Israel was supposed to be a kingdom of priests to the whole world. Isaiah 56, 6 through 8. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and hold fast to my covenant, even those, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares, Yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered. And then again, Isaiah 49.6, God says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Why offer this kind of love and service to the greater world if we are supposed to hate all people except for Jews? Jesus, the very word of God, makes it clear again in our gospel lesson. He makes it so clear. In his kingdom, there aren't some people that it's acceptable or good to hate. Jews thought that the enemies of God, the enemies of God's kingdom, were people that were to be hated. But judgment is the Lord's. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We are only called to tell the truth. We are called to be witnesses. We are called to hate evil in our own lives and in the world. We are not called to hate evil people. Christ tells us this. You are to love your enemies, not hate them. Jesus' teaching is one that I'm sure confounded Jewish people. But let's be honest. It is something that we struggle with as well. Far too often we let the world's sinful logic seep in. And we pay lip service to this teaching. We pay lip service to it. We do not let it sink in. If we listened to these words of Jesus, we would have no church conflict. We would have no issues in our congregation. We would have very little issues out in the world, in fact. For how could we possibly be angry or even hate anyone inside or out of the church if we were listening to Jesus as he speaks in this lesson? At my first call, I had a member who was angry. He had anger towards someone, in the, someone else in the congregation about how his daughter had been treated many years prior. Often he would sit in my office and he would seethe about the anger he still felt towards his family. At that point, I was still kind of a safe place. I cautioned him that if he allowed this kind of anger into his heart, it would be very difficult to call himself a Christian. 
This is primarily what Jesus is doing today. I want to make that clear. He's identifying sin in the community and he is condemning it in the strongest way possible as sin. There are no appropriate ways for a Christian to hate other people, to carry anger towards other people. It just doesn't exist. But going further, out of Christian love and concern for this man, I, I warned him as I would warn all of you. According to God's word, it is wrong to bear this anger or hatred towards anyone, but in love. I cautioned him that allowing sin, this foothold in his life, might be very dangerous. Once we get accustomed or calloused towards one sin, it is easy to commit others and become callous towards them as well. And it happened just as I feared. Soon this man not only carried anger, but he carried envy towards this other family, and then alienation towards me as his pastor because I would not tell him the things he wished to hear. It was not long before he left the church for another church, and then I heard through the grapevine that he left that church for nowhere, effectively cutting himself off from the word of God, cutting off his nose to spite his face. Friends, anger and hatred will pollute your soul. It will allow the devil a foothold to work in which ultimately he will separate you from Christ. Just as he said to Adam and Eve, did God really say? And he creeps in. If Christ's command is not enough to stop you from bearing hate, resentment, or anger in your heart, then at least do it for yourself that you might not be another victim of the devil. Now, let's be honest. You might be saying, this isn't me. I don't know who pastor is talking to. Is there anyone that right now, at this moment, you might have a problem turning to and speaking to in completely open and certain terms? Is there anyone whom you harbor anger or resentment towards? We like to think to ourselves, well, I've been wronged, so it's okay. But Christ is having none of that. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic as well. We aren't, I imagine, getting struck a whole lot in the face. I don't know anyone in this congregation who owns a tunic. But perhaps we feel we've been wronged somehow. Perhaps someone that we can't stand or don't care for doesn't subscribe to our philosophical outlook on life. And yes, I'm hinting at politics. It is a cancer in our society right now. If someone doesn't think how I think, then they are the enemy. How can this be true? if we are Christian people. 
Maybe we don't like someone's personality or how they go about interacting and communicating. I don't know how many times I've had this be a problem with Christian people inside of a church. They don't like each other because they have differing personalities and can't seem to get along. And yet they love the same Jesus. And they take the same sacrament. It doesn't make any sense. We create reasons, excuses to be angry or hate other people as though we have never wronged someone ourselves. We are not innocent. We are sinners and we should be honest. But it takes two to tango. If I am in a broken relationship, if I hate someone or someone hates me, I am probably not innocent. And I include myself in those comments. How can we think that it's okay in any circumstance to hold on to our anger towards someone? What justification could possibly stand in the face of Jesus' words here today? There is none. To be angry with our brother is to murder him in our hearts. We have sinned against God and against his commandments. In the face of this question and its answer, we are left with only one more question. Only one that matters now. How then can we love those who hate us? Or how can we love those who we hate? This is why our doctrine of original sin is so important. We believe that we are all born sinful. We read it today. Because of Adam, we are all born into sin. We daily sin much. To not hate those who hate us or to hate those whom we hate, we must start at the beginning. I am a sinner. I am the problem. I have broken God's law. The law crushes me and reflects what I am. It is a mirror showing all the myriad ways I have fallen short of God's commandments. There is nothing redeemable in me. It shows us the truth. But in our most pitiable estate, when we have sunk as low as we can go, when the mirror of the law reveals our ugliness and evil, we cry out for forgiveness, for mercy. And it is then that the Lord speaks. Isaiah 43, 1 through 2. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
Through the wonders of holy absolution, God speaks through your pastor and forgives you. He takes away your sin, not on account of any worth or merit in you, but because of his great love and mercy towards you, because of what Christ has done for you. Truly Christ has paid for your sins, set you free from your sinful flesh, death, and the devil. For this, we give God thanks, praise, glory, and honor. This is the truth. What Christ has done for you on the cross cannot be changed. But this glorious truth should not exist alongside anger and hatred in your heart. How can we who have received such grace from God keep it for ourselves? How can we who have been forgiven much withhold forgiveness? Christ tells us, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Friends, in Christ, you may be afraid. I'm going to be taken advantage of. By golly, someone might slap me right in the face. Someone might take my tunic. And perhaps, just perhaps, you've held on to your anger and hatred for so long, you don't know who you are without it. But our God has given us a more excellent way in which to live. He means to give us peace and pardon through his grace. What can the world do to us when we have forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus? We could be persecuted, have our homes and possessions taken away, lose family and friends, and we still would have the most precious gift imaginable. God has done it. In Jesus, he has beaten sin, death, and the devil. Let us be a people who live in joy, peace, and hope. Let us be a people who forgive as we have been forgiven. In case you haven't figured it out yet, The key to loving those who we hate or loving those who hate us is to remember that God once hated us for our sins. But instead of hating us forever, he gave up his one and only son to be hated most of all when hanging on the cross so that we could be loved by God, we could be his children, so that we could be Christ's brother. Jesus paid our debts, and they were great. Let us be merciful, as our Father is merciful. Let us not hold anger, resentment, or hatred in our hearts where Christ truly lives. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Blessings again to all of you. Thankful to have you in word and worship this morning. Uh, The Lord's blessings to each and every one of you. Love you all very much, and there's not a thing you can do about it. The Lord's blessings.